redemptive realities. And so I think we're going to begin every class by repeat, by uh, praying the Ephesians prayers over ourselves. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Wherefore I also, after I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, I cease, see that's your love for all the saints. This is a prayer for Christians. Notice this is a prayer for Christians. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. May the eyes of our understanding be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of your calling and what is the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. And Father, may we know what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe, according to the working of your mighty power, which you wrought in Christ, when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And you have put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I want you just to kind of look at that again. This is Paul's prayer. He wants you to know what is the exceeding greatness of his power in general? In general? No. It's his power towards us. His exceeding great power, not just like electricity is enormously powerful in general. Uh, nitroglycerin is enormously powerful and dynamite is enormously powerful and uranium is enormously powerful in general. We know that. But God's enormous power is towards you. God's power is for us, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. Why did, why did the writer put that in there? Why did the Holy Spirit choose to put verse 20 in there? Because the greatest act of God's power was not the Grand Canyon or the Pacific Ocean or the sun or the galaxies. The greatest act of God's power was when all the sin of all time was placed on one person at one time and God lifted up one man from the dead and lifted the weight of all of the sin at one time. You see that? That was the greatest act of all time. So that's verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That's the demonstration of the world's greatest amount of power. And then he raised him up far above all principality, power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Yay, Jesus. That's great for Jesus. Woohoo. Verse 21 is all about Jesus. Well, that's good for Jesus. But look at verse 22. And has put all things under Jesus' feet. Well, that's good for Jesus. But he gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things for us, for the church. And that we're his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. We are the delegated body of Christ here on the earth. We are Jesus on the earth. Jesus isn't here, but the body of Christ is. And so we are His body. And we are the fullness of Him that fills all in all. It takes a little while to get there. And this is the kind of stuff that we're going to be going over to in this class, Redemptive Reality. Getting an understanding of what you already have. I have a a friend that bought a Mercedes, and he bought a Mercedes from a guy who bought a better Mercedes. He bought the latest and the greatest and the, the current model, the Mercedes. 
And he said that when he went to go uh, pick up the Mercedes from the man, the man said, no, I can't meet you today because I have to go to a class on my new Mercedes. The new Mercedes has so many gee whiz features on it that you've got to go to a class. And you've got to go to like a three-quarter day class to learn how to use the GPS and the map and the, the satellite uh, radio and, the, and all of the different things that are associated with this car. It's so smart and it's so computerized that you've got to go to class to learn all the good things that are in your car. I mean, you might be able to drive it, but you're not, you, you know, you paid another $50,000 for all the gee whiz features. You might as well know how to use them. That's kind of what happened here. You've got a whole lot of gee whiz features. Yeah, you got saved. Yeah, you're going to heaven. That's just kind of like, you know, you got the steering wheel and the gas pedal. You got your steering wheel, you got your gas pedal, but there's so much more. And so that's what this redemptive realities class is about. And again, these are things that you're going to remind yourself of and remind yourself of. And two years after this, I want you to keep reading. I want you to keep studying. And 20 years after this, I want you to keep reading and keep studying and renewing your mind to what we're talking about in this class. The required text is Redeemed from Poverty, Sickness, and Spiritual Death. Great little book. Great little book. Has all... It uh, has really kind of the, the basics of this course already in, the, in, in that text, and that is required reading. Main text, Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Is this present, future, or past tense? Past tense. Christ has already redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. This is a mouthful. This is a huge, huge text. Christ has already redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. He became the curse so that we could receive the blessing. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. So what we're going to do in the beginning of this class, we're going to say, what's a curse? What's the blessing? What is a curse? What is a blessing? For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so that's going to, uh, that chapter is going to be some of the material that we're going to study through the rest of the class. But I want to talk to you a little bit first about what a curse is. When I was in high school, one of the things that really brought me, not so much to the Lord, but actually brought me into the ministry, the fact that I dated a girl who was involved in witchcraft. I don't recommend it. I did. She could do stuff. She had power. They can, they're in touch with evil spirits, and evil spirits are real, just like angels are real. Evil spirits do things. People who work with them can get them to do stuff. Well, I've been going to a traditional church. We traditionally knew nothing. We traditionally did nothing. But we all went to church and thought we had everything. And really, we had nada. And so I meet this girl, and she's like, yeah, I do stuff. What do you do? And she says, well, you know, my stuff's better than your stuff. I'm like, this is bad. And because you can do stuff, and I can't. This really put this great big question mark over my head. It's like, why? 
from Yubi's death, the best people I know can't do anything. This is, this is a problem here, isn't it? And so I'm reading my Bible through high school, and I realize that Jesus did the stuff, and Jesus won, and Jesus uh, third, it seemed anywhere from 25, anywhere from 20 to 35% of Jesus' ministry was casting out demons. I mean, you look at, he, he went out to teach and to preach and to heal and cast out the spirits with his word. And the very first thing that the, that the Bible says that, that believers will do, in my name, they will cast out devils. It's the very first thing. It's before that they will speak in new tongues. In my name, they'll cast out devils, then they'll speak in new tongues. Interesting stuff, huh? So, I mean, as soon as you get born again, you can start casting out devils. That's kind of cool. I'm reading this, and I'm, I'm reading my Bible as a, as a, as a young teenager, and I'm, I'm, I know there's power in it, and I can see the miracles, and I can see Jesus doing stuff. I can see the apostles doing stuff. I can see the miracles all the way through the text. And I'm feeling power, and I'm, I'm getting answers to prayer, and I know that this is a powerful book, and I can feel the power. And then I go to college and, and uh, um, yeah, you know, have several other experiences. But then I saw a girl get demonized where she started talking in a different voice. And, you know, just you know, sort of a Linda Blair kind of thing. And it was just, you know, she, she's one way and then she's totally another way. And I'm like, ah! And, and she's like, i got to go for a drive. And, you know, it's late at night and she was going to go get in her car and she was just going to go crash. And I just tackle her. I don't know what else to do. I tackle her. And then I... You know, and I just, I don't know how to pray or anything like that. We just, you know, you, but you can't go for a drive. And she's really strong. And she's, I'm going for a drive. And like, oh, I'm just going to back of I don't know anything. We would pray. And, and she'd change. And she'd change back. She would pray and she would change back. And then she would go, oh, and then she'd freak out. And she'd go back. And then she'd freak out. Oh, my goodness. It was, it was, I was freaked out. It was a horror movie. I didn't know what to do. And, and the next day, it was, went on for like two hours. And the next, and finally, you know, we kind of got her straightened out. And the next day, I went, you okay? She's like, yeah, but I don't remember two hours of last night. I just, you know, the hair's up on the back of my neck. I was freaked out. That really scared me. So I know the devil's real. And I know that God is real. And I've seen the power of one side a whole lot more than I've seen the power of the other side. I know that curses are real. I know that the devil can do stuff, but where are the good guys? How come the good guys aren't doing anything? And, and they're not very fun to hang around with. The ba- you know, and I, I just, I'm not getting it. And finally, I read this book by Dennis Bennett, who was a priest in the, in the church that I grew up in. And he got spirit-filled, and he found out how to do stuff. And he got answers to prayer, and he spoke in other tongues, and he integrated the whole Bible with today. The whole Bible began to make sense. They are the miracles, and the miracles are also for today. Woo-hah! And I read that book, and I'm going, that's it? That's what I've been looking for for 10 years? I've been looking, well, not 10 years, about, about 6 years. That's what I've been looking for. There it is. And this scares me, because if I'm getting in, i got to get in with both feet. You can't play with this stuff. You can't, you're in, or you, you're in all the way. And uh, I'm, you know, kind of, I'm trying to do that sort of half-in and half-out stuff. And you know how well that goes. You don't have fun in either place. It's awful in either place. I met Gigi, who knows nothing about in, about being half of anything. She is never half of anything. She is, there is no gray in her life. There's ne- the word maybe, she does not know. It is full and it is stopped. 
It is yes and it is no. It is black, it is white. There is no in-between with her. It's, there's right, there's wrong, and there's nothing. It's, there's, it's never close. It's always and never. And I have lived my whole life with, in that sort of gray area. And so it, it, was, a, it was a great thing to, to meet her. And, and she was just all out for God. Anyways, she ends up getting born again because people are out street witnessing. And a week later, I pray the uh, sinner's prayer at, at that same house. And, and two weeks later, I go on the men's retreat. And I get baptized in, in water. And I ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm out. I'm no more of this, you know, half in, half out. I am all the way in. I'm going for it. I'm not messing around. I'm in. Because now I realize... I realized that I was accountable. I knew the power of the devil. I knew the power of God. I had seen the power on both sides. And I can't act dumb anymore. I'm accountable. I know it. And you do too. And I don't want to hear about any of you in five or six years acting dumb. Nobody gets to do this half in, half out stuff. Don't you start dating that bad boyfriend or dating that bad girlfriend or going out with somebody who's not saved, hanging around in bars or a little bit of drugs, but not that much, Pastor Brad. I'm not doing too much. I'm just smoking a little bit of reefer. Man, I don't want to hear about that. You are way too accountable. You know the truth. You know the truth, and you cannot mess with this stuff anymore. There's a blessing and a curse. There's a good God and powerful angels, and there's a bad devil and some nasty little demons. Don't play with this. You're in, and you're in all the way. You guys with me? Are you in all the way? You want to have fun? Get all the way in. Push all your chips out into the middle of the table and say, Jesus, let's go. Let's play. Because that's where the fun is. And don't hold back. Well, I don't really want do too much as I might get too religious. You're in. <laughs> You're already on the team. Might as well drive the boat. You're already on the boat. Might as well have fun with it. You know, get up there and do the stuff. Cast out some devils. Pray some sick people. Witness to somebody. Pray a dangerous prayer. Pray a big prayer. Ask for the anointing. Ask for some power. Ask for something. Go after it. You're in. You're on the team. You're on the team. What do you want to do? You want to carry the water bucket for eternity? Or do you want to throw the ball? You're, 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 you're with us. You're, you're called. You're here because you're on the team. Let's get with it. Let's get with it. Let's get busy. Let's have fun. All right? So let's talk a little bit about the, what a curse is. When Moses wrote the curse of the law and the blessings of the law, where was Moses educated? Where is his early education? Egypt. Moses. And who, who, were, who were his classmates? Who did Moses grow up with? He grew up with Pharaoh's kids. He grew up with the ruling party. He grew up in the upper echelon of Egyptian society. Moses went to the Stanford, Harvard, Yale, Oxford of his day. Moses was raised with the richest, smartest, best, brightest, the leaders of his day. Moses was Oxford educated for his day. When they unearthed King Tut's tomb, they found all kinds of really weird stuff. 
But one of the interesting things that they found out, have you ever seen that Egyptian writing? You know, there's like the crow, and then there's the funny things, and then there's the funny little uh, hieroglyphic writings that they use. They've deciphered all that stuff, and they, they know what it all means. About a third of it to, to a half of it is crystal. A whole bunch of what is all over the, the tomb walls and stuff like that and all over the, the coffin and stuff like that are curses on anybody who messes with this stuff. If you come in here and you want to mess with this king and things like, that, things like that, these are the curses that come upon you. Egyptologists or the uh, archaeologist that, was, that found King Tut was a guy named Howard Carter. Howard Carter is an interesting character from, from England. He's not to be confused with a Pentecostal author and teacher now that's also by the same name, Howard Carter. The Pentecostal Howard Carter is a, is a decade or two later, completely different guy. This Egyptologist Howard Carter is an interesting character. He's working for this Lord, I may not pronounce it correctly, but Canaveron. He works for this Lord Canaveron who's financing this entire expedition. And Lord Canaveron is about to pull the plug on him, and Howard Carter says, no, I'm so close, I'm so close. Give me some more time, give me some more money. I'm going to find it. And just about the last day before the money's about to run out, they find it. They find the door into King Tut's tomb. Because what they would do is they'd make all kinds of false entrances and things like that. Anybody who thinks that they're going to try to get in there, you know, here's something with an arch over it and looks like a doorway and stuff like that. There's nothing back there. It's just solid rock for as far as you want to go. But the real doorway is low and underground and, and, and under the sand. And that's where the real doorway is, and it's not marked at all. Anyways, Howard Carter found the door. And it's blocked and things like that. And they, they finally start opening the door, and they start going in. Well, his, his Egyptian guy starts freaking out and saying, you know what you're doing? You're going you're gonna to start dealing with the curses now. I don't believe in that stuff. They go on in. Howard Carter uh, telegraphs or, or, or writes to Lord Canaveron. Lord Canaveron comes on, and Lord Canaveron is one of the first guys in. Long story short, Lord Canaveron died a few months later of an insect bite. He had this, had this funny little insect bite on his cheek. He gets incredibly sick, and he's dead in just a couple of days. They don't know what insect. They don't know anything about it. What's interesting, too, is that they look at the mummy, and the mummy seems to have, he's a young king, died young, and he seems to have something right about there. Yeah, it's really kind of fun. It's, it's, it's weird, but it, it, it's all part of the whole story. And so in the 1920s, you know, the curse of the mummy's tomb. You know, have you ever heard any of those kind of funny old late-night movies and stuff like that? Well, it's because in the 1920s, the, the, the press just went crazy over this stuff because... There really was one. And, you know, a lot of people have said, no, there wasn't one. Yes, there was. No, there wasn't. Yes, there was. No. But the point of it was is that Moses is raised in that society. There's a whole bunch more stuff to it. Uh, several other people die. Some people say coincidence. Some people say, no, not coincidence. The point of it is is that Moses was raised in this culture. This is the culture he's raised in. Here are the curses for not Deuteronomy 28. Let's go there. Deuteronomy 28, this is, where did the, where did, had the Israelites just been? They'd been in Egypt, hadn't they? Moses is writing, he's quoting the Lord, and he says, And it shall come to pass, 
If thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will, God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. And we go through this incredible list of blessings. And verse 15, so, so 2 through uh, 14 are all, all the blessings. Deuteronomy 28, 2 through 14 are the blessings. But verse 15, Moses starts going into the curses. In our day, we have attorneys. In those days, they did not have attorneys. So in our day, we have attorneys. An attorney's job is to be very detailed and to be very accurate with your words and to be very specific with your words and to say, this is what we cannot do in this contract. And this is what we will do in this contract. Very specifically, we will do these things in this contract. And we will not do all of these things in this contract, right? And that's what an attorney does. Is it, he is responsible for being very detailed about what won't happen and what should happen. And to try to cover the waterfront on both sides. That's what a good attorney does. Notice that Moses is being a good early 4,000 years ago attorney. And this is what a good scholar in those days did, is that you had all the blessings, and you read out all the curses. And the curses are pretty extensive, aren't they? Have you guys ever read any of this? It's awful. In, in the King James, it's even worse, because you've got blasting and mildew and all kinds of stuff. And you're like, what is this? And consumption and Look at 22. Consumption, inflammation, extreme burning, blasting, and mildew. Now, you don't want blasting. You don't want, <laughs> what is this stuff? They're talking about the botch and the sore botch. I don't know what the botch is, but I don't want it. You don't want the botch. But whatever it is, Christ has redeemed me from the botch. Christ has redeemed me from mildew. And Christ has redeemed me from extreme burning. Christ has redeemed me from consumption and inflammation. And then it goes on to say that and anything that also, and, and there's, just, there's, one, there's one verse here that just says, and anything else is, is also in there, too. And just all these other diseases of Egypt are also in there. Christ has redeemed us from this curse. What's amazing is that he became a curse for us. What's really disgusting is that every one of those things was put on Jesus on the cross. And so in the movie The Passion, you know, they show Jesus on the cross, and it's, you know, it's disfigured, and it's all black and red and nasty, and there's just, you know, all this dried blood and dirt, and, and it's just, you know, it's just a mess. But it was actually much worse than that. It was much worse than that. Because he had all the skin diseases known to man. He had all the cancers known to man. He had all the open sores that you can possibly get known to man. All of that was placed on him. You get the visual here, it's awful. And God raised him from the dead. God reached down through that, forgave all that. Jesus paid the penalty for all of us and took on all of that so that you and I don't have to. The curse of the law. Curses are real. How about, how about something that's a little bit more close to home? How many of you know, friend, heard of a story of a mom or a dad who said over their child, you will never, you just, you just can't fill in the blank. You are just not as much as your brother or sister. 
You are, you are, you are, you are. It's a curse because it's a statement and words are powerful. As I was praying about this class, I was getting this. Words are our currency. Words are the currency in the spirit. Or maybe a form of. Might be another way to say it. Words are a form of currency that you spend. And you're buying something with every one of those words. You're transacting something with every word you use. Might as well, might as well furnish your house with stuff you like. Because <laughs> you're putting stuff on the walls and you're, putting, you're decorating your life with every word you use. Furthermore, other people are also putting stuff in your house with their words. And so if you've got somebody who's yammering about you, about you, they're putting stuff on your walls. The important thing, the best thing you can do is to say the opposite. If somebody is saying, you're not fair, whatever, okay, let's just use that as a word. You're not fair. You're not fair. You're just not fair. What you need to start saying is, oh, yes, I'm fair. I am fair. I am absolutely fair. They don't understand, but I am absolutely fair. I am fair. I am fair. I'm very fair. I'm so fair. I'm the most fair. I am fair, fair, fair. For every time that the other person is saying, they're one or two, you know, it might be good for you to have five for every one of theirs. Let's just say, you know, whatever that is. You can't ride a tricycle. Oh, I'm good at riding tricycles. I am the best trick tricycle rider there is. I am a wonderful tricycle rider. I'm a great tricycle rider. And you need to say that and say, don't think it. Say it. It's not enough to be aware of this. You've got to do this. And so that's why you need to say what God is saying over your life all the time. And even if somebody isn't saying anything nasty about you, it might be good for you to just put some nice stuff up on the walls, right? And just decorate your life with some pretty things. And then just, I got six-pack abs, and I can run five miles, and I can do these kinds of things, and I, and I have I have great income, and I, you know, I'm anointed, and I'm this, and I'm that. Why not? I'm not saying it to you. I'm saying it to me, and I'm saying it in my own restroom. So I'm saying it while I'm taking a shower. I'm saying it while I'm driving. I'm not bothering you a bit. And I'm not, I'm not saying it in public, and I'm not making boasts about myself in public, but I am, you know, Jesse DePlanoff says, before he goes out there on the pulpit, he looks in the mirror and he talks about how that person in the mirror is anointed. You're anointed. You're good looking. You're awesome. Oh, I've got big teeth. You know, <laughs> you're a great Cajun. You know, you know. And he just he just preaches to himself first before he preaches to anybody else. It would bless you. I may have told you this story before, but I was in this uh, this uh, play at uh, at Rama, and I played this sort of hyper-spiritual character. And we wrote up this line for this character. And this character comes out and he's, uh, he says, I'm blessed. I passed the test. I'm healed and I'm sealed. I'm victorious and life is glorious and the future is so bright. My future is so bright, i got to wear shades and I put on sunglasses. And there even a few more lines there. But it was really, really fun. I had the greatest time doing it. And, and everybody really responded to it. And, and it, was, it just went over really big. I've remembered that. And as I've just stated that a couple of times in the shower, my spirit loves it. It was just, a, it was an act. It was a character. It was a, it was a play. My spirit goes, yeah. 
<laughs> it's the truth. My spirit's going, yeah, I bet you. Yeah. <laughs> and we use all of that. <laughs> you know? We use all of that. That's who we are. That's what we have. That's what we can do. <laughs> We're awesome. You're absolutely awesome. If you could see yourself in the spirit, if you could see how Christ is inside you, and how big Jesus is on the inside of you, and how greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, you would just, you would have a different kind of walk. You would just, you would walk and you would just bounce. You would just fly into the room, and you would go to prayer with just, we get to talk to God, we get to beat up some more devils again. And that's redemptive realities. And that's what we're talking about in this class, that the curse is gone. And that the blessing of Abraham is on you. You've got it. Feed on that. Build yourself up on who you are in Christ. In Him. In Him. I can do all things in Him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can. I am more than a conqueror through Him who loves me. God is always leading me into triumph. God is always God guides me. God leads me. God's anointing lives on the inside of me. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen? This is me. This is you. This is what we've got. What's the difference between you and the Apostle Paul? A little bit of attitude adjustment. It really is. It is. A little bit of renewing the mind. A little bit of Romans 12 too. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen? We're going to have a great class. You're going to enjoy this class. It's going to help put you over and change your life.